Hi there, and welcome to your podcast for college Catholics, where we discuss faith and spirituality from a Catholic perspective. I'm one of your co-hosts, Owen Chase, and I'm here with another co-host, Andrew St. Germain. And today's episode, we are honored to have as a guest, the one, the only, Father Patrick Wainwright. Welcome, Father. How are you? How are you, Owen? Hi, Andrew. How are you doing? Thank you for having me today. Welcome back to your <laughs> show. Thank right you. or your podcast? Yeah, we're not normally the hosts. We should probably clarify. Oh, right. Yeah, we should probably say something about that. Why are you hosts today? Well, because we wanted to hear about your vocation story, Father Patrick, and well, typically you're the one hosting the podcast, so you've given us the reins today. Yes, since last episode, we thought it would be a good idea to have them uh, be the hosts this time. So you lead it. We're we're glad to have you here, Father. And uh, today, it's we're my g- honor to be here with you guys. <laughs> Well, well, today we we wanted to um, to start off as uh, as you said last time, talking or asking you more particularly about your own story um, and your vocation. Right. So, yeah, Father, if you just want to start by you know maybe sharing a little bit about how it was that you uh, became a priest of Milos Christi, that would be awesome. Okay, good. Well, thank you for asking the question. Thank you for suggesting all this. Um, so, first of all, I was born in Argentina, um, born and raised. Um, Are you a Messi fan? Now, yes. At that time, I didn't. I was a Maradona fan uh, because Messi was not in the picture yet. Um, yeah, absolutely, a Messi fan. Everybody who likes soccer should be a Messi fan. Um, right. So, well, I, I grew up in a Catholic family. You know, mom and dad and a brother and a sister, they were older than me. And I was a little one. Um, we all practiced the faith. The faith, basically, my dad was Anglican, and my mm. mom was Catholic. But he had uh, committed. Uh, they got married in the Catholic Church, so he had committed to allow my mom to educate us in the Catholic faith. That's awesome. So we went to a Catholic school, uh, except my sister didn't. But she would. She went to a more a private school that was non-denominational which is a rarity in, rarity in Argentina, but then she went to uh, catechism classes, right? Um, anyway, so as I grew up, uh, I lived my faith, but in many ways, I just lived it almost like a cultural thing, that this is what you do. Um, and little by little, I remember that um, I was happy to live out my faith. I think one thing that stayed with me a lot, a great example was the example of my grandma, that used to pray the rosary every single day, right? So whenever I came back to school, I would see her praying the rosary, and, you know, it was a good thing. And she would always give me words of wisdom, right? So don't do this, or it's not going to be helpful for your life, this is important for you, and and good words of advice. Um, So then I went uh, to a Catholic high school, um, and there, you know, being a Catholic high school, you take your faith for granted a little bit, and uh, I started to, especially my senior year, react against my faith a little bit, mm. or quite a bit. I still went to Mass on Sundays because I had the, the awareness that missing Mass on Sundays was a mortal sin. And right. I did not want to go to hell. Right? Right, so that, right. that was my basic religion practice. Mm. Right? I did not want to go to hell. I believed in heaven. I believed in God. I believed in judgment. And I knew that missing Mass on Sundays was a mortal sin. So I, uh, I wanted to avoid that, and I wanted to avoid any serious mortal sin, right? 
Uh, but other than that, I remember my my faith was dwindling a little bit, and I remember clearly once on a we were in a party, this uh, particular party because you know you say, you would think a party, but we were having these conversations, and uh, they were the they entered into they started talking about the faith, and um, I remember um, let's say before my friend saying that it was not possible for Christ to be in the in the Eucharist truly be in the Eucharist, right? That it was a symbolic presence. Mm -hmm. And I remember this girl um, that stood, like she was still sitting, but stood up right against me in a sense to say, no, our faith teaches that Jesus is truly, really present in the Eucharist. It's not a symbol, it, it is a truth. And I, that stuck, stuck with me, although at the beginning I, still, I thought, no, she makes no sense. But then I, I kept thinking about it, right? Um, so it was like more like a seed that was planted. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely. A seed that was planted, um, although I was still rebellious and I didn't want to accept it at the moment, right? Uh, so I still also remember in my, high school, in my senior year, there was a retreat for all the seniors, um, and most of my friends went to the retreat, but I w did not want to go. Mm. I just said, I'm not going, I don't want to do this retreat, I don't want to do this, this makes no sense. So I was basically the only one of my group that didn't go to the retreat. Father uh, Patrick. Yeah. <laughs> Bad example. Uh, yeah, sorry about that. But uh, luckily, uh, eventually I turned around, um, by the grace of God. But the interesting thing is that the priest who preached the retreat then was also a teacher in college in in the in the university and where i went for to study engineering he, he was a one of the chaplains and several of my friends came with me to study engineering in the catholic university in argentina oh cool uh so this one priest um had a class because everyone has to go to a class of uh, some sort of religion theology or philosophy or spirituality every year so every year have one class you have to go to uh, and the freshman year, this priest was teaching the, this class, and my friends all said, oh, you should go with us to this class. You should go with us. You should go with us. <laughs> and so I have no idea who this priest is. No, yeah, he's super cool. He's super cool. Okay, yeah, if they, my friends say so, you know, I, I wanted to go with my friends. Peer so, pressure. Yeah, yeah, but it was a good peer, good peer pressure, pressure right. in that sense. Uh, that's the one peer pressure you, you want to do and accept, right. you know, the good one, uh, the one that leads to holiness. Uh, anyway, so um, this priest offered, there were 100 students in class, each class, right? So he offered all the priests, all the, sorry, priests, all the students, uh, if they, anyone wanted to have spiritual direction, right? Uh, so it was a very basic spiritual direction, but it was a spirit, spiritual direction. So you got to, and the other good thing is that he, he would end up, cl end class early. So the classes were two hours, right, of class. He would do an hour and a half. That's nice. And then we were all free to go, and he would call three students per class per day for spiritual direction. Wow. So he would do 10 minutes, meet 10 minutes for each. Um, but that, everybody was happy, right, to leave early. Right. And at the same time, you had the chance to, to meet the priest personally. And there he, uh, so I met with him, uh, met, many met with him, uh, my, my friends also. Um, and he there, he would give you some material to, to do a time of meditation. And uh, to also a little prayer book to go and visit Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, which was a gr another great thing of that uh, Catholic university. The chapels were not very beautiful, but they were the they had Jesus in the Eucharist, so right. you could go in a break and go to the Eucharist 
to the tabernacle and pray before Jesus. That's right? huge. So those things, they weren't so much a part of your life until kind of that started happening or? Right, right. So I did know uh, after this conversation you know, with this girl, I did know Jesus was in the tabernacle, but it wasn't something that I would go to pray like for 10, 15 minutes, right. you know? So I had never done a time of meditation before, a serious time of meditation. So with this uh, recommendation of the priest, and uh, I started doing that, and this is why I do, I suggest the same thing, and in Midas Christi we do the same thing. We First thing we try to encourage people to do is to spend a time of meditation or prayer, silent prayer, before Jesus and the Blessed Sacrament, right? It, it can change your life if you do it on a consistent basis. I would say it will change your life, you know? Yeah. Um, so then with that, he also encouraged me to seek holiness, not just to be avoiding hell, right, as I was doing before, but to try to be more uh, conscientiously seeking holiness, which I knew from my education uh, that I had to try to be holy, but I just didn't take it seriously. So anyway, uh, with that, I started um, praying a bit more often, uh, more on a reg daily basis, doing a time of meditation, doing an examination of conscience at night, things that I would encourage anyone to do, you know, uh, 10 minutes, 15 minutes meditation and a three-minute examination of conscience at night to see in what areas you can be better. And this is something that I started noticing in myself, that before I would do things and not, not give it a second thought, right? I would just hurt someone with a statement or make a stupid joke or say a bad word or, you know, like cuss word and, and not be concerned about it. But as I would start doing an examination of conscience, I would say, wait, you know, why did I say that? Why did I, why was I so selfish with my sister? Uh, I, I, I remember because of my family, we would eat together as a, a dinner as a family. Mm -hmm. And I started recognizing, why am I trying to get the best piece of chicken here? You know, like so dumb things, that, yeah. such dumb things that typically you do without a problem. That we all do. Right, right, uh, and, and realizing, start, you start to realize, well, I could do better than that, you know? Mm. Why don't I do something better? Why am I so selfish, right? Um, so then I started um, thinking, you know, about trying to grow in holiness. And parallel to this, I remember going to Mass, we, to my local parish, and there was a priest who, was, uh, who had more connection with the youth, right? So he would occasionally address the people and encourage the, the, the youth that, that would go to Mass to think about their vocation. I, I remember clearly one day he said, you know, and, you know, he, he would say names, like Peter, John, uh, Cecilia, you should think about your vocation, you know? Wow, put you, you on the spot. Right, right, right. So I, I remember he saying, like, you should think if God is calling to the priesthood, calling you to the priesthood. And I said, okay. And all the, the older ladies in the chapel are looking at you at this moment. Right, right, right. No, but they were. it was a youth mass, so typically uh, they were mostly young people. Okay. Um, so then I remember thinking, okay, let's see. I have to ask myself, as a priest said, does God want me to be a priest? No. <laughs> All right, that's it, you know? <laughs> right, so that's it. Walks out of the chapel, right. end of story. It's over. Like, perfect discernment. The priest told, said we should ask ourselves, I asked myself, and God does not want me to be a priest. So that's clear. That's super obvious to me. I, you know, I wanted to get married. I wanted to have my things. I liked girls and so forth. You know, so I didn't. I don't, I don't want to be a priest. You know, you have to be celibate. You have to be poor. You have to be working. You know, religious and pray and do those things. But here so, you are as a priest right. on this podcast. So something, right? Something changed. Right, right, right. So 
anyway, the way what happened is that uh, that stayed there, and then this priest in college asked him, asked me, "Have you ever thought about being a priest?" Um, I don't know why he asked that. Maybe because I was like persevering in my prayer and and and, and trying to be better. Uh, so I said, "Yeah, I thought about it, you know." And and what do you uh, wh- what do you think? And he says, "I don't. Yeah, I think I'm not called to the priesthood." You know, very very clear. I was clear about that. You know. Mm. And so he said, but did you think seriously about that? Well, this is what I did. I told my thought process, and he said, well, I think you should give it a, a fair chance. You should give God a fair chance. You know, you should ask yourself sincerely what God wants of you, right? So then I started thinking about it more, and constantly I would come back with these uh, answers or, or, or reasons why God did not want me to be a priest. And all those reasons were typically selfish, right? So I want to be married, I want to have my own job, I want to have my own time for vacation, I have to I want to have my own freedom to do my own thing, I want to, you know, have my own house, I want to have my own possessions. I don't think God is calling me to the priesthood, you know? So and then so the priest would uh, at one point told me, well, obviously those are reasonable things, but they're all self-centered things. You're not thinking about what God would want of you, because mm. everyone has those desires as well. Anyway, so that got me thinking, and uh, at the, around that time, there was another, uh, in the parish, they talked about uh, vocational talk, right? So I said, oh, I'm not going to go to that, you know? <laughs> uh, but then I thought, maybe maybe I could go and just ask whoever is the speaker about my questions. I have questions to ask, you know? And could God be calling me to the priesthood, although I don't think so, you know? So then I went to this thing, it was a talk, and the priest uh, wrote on the, and they had a, like a blackboard, a uh, whiteboard, and he, he did a little, like the sun and the planets, right? And then he put the earth and two drawings, one the sun and the planets, and the other one the earth, and all the planets and the sun circulating around the earth. So he said, well, typically in our life, we are like in this drawing, right? We are at the center of everything, and we think that everything revolves around us, even God, right? Even God is revolving around us, and God is at our service. We, we pray to God when we need something and so forth. Instead, our life should be like this other drawing where the sun is in the center, where God is in the center, and we are revolving about, around the sun, right? We're not important. God is important, and we should try to do the will of God. So that stuck with me because... That's exactly what was happening in my in me, right? In my life. Everything was about me. And then I started looking back and I realized that all my high school years were mostly like that, right? Mm. I was always thinking about myself and what I can get of from my friends for myself, from my family for myself, always about me and my future and whatever I wanted to enjoy. So that helped a lot, let's say, to, to realize all the reasons that I have to say no to the priesthood are all self-centered, right? Are all about me. I'm not thinking about how God would want me to serve him. So I started thinking about that a bit more. And um, so then I started going to Mass daily and, you know, praying for help, praying for grace. I would do my meditation more or less daily, not perfectly, but more or less daily. And I would try to go to confession a bit more frequently. And I had a spiritual director by that time uh, which I could come up with, come with these questions and doubts and things, and I think that was also very important because many of the doubts that I had were sort of uh, temptations, right? So were things 
that were not really spiritually guided, right? They were not guided by the Holy Spirit. They were guided by my own selfishness. So I remember uh, after six months or so, so, a year, about a year process, that I was praying one day after Mass before the tabernacle, and I was thinking how uh, Christ has given himself to me in the Eucharist through the sacrifice of the Mass, through the sacrifice of the cross, but also in communion, right? And how God gave himself entirely to us and continues to give himself entirely to us and will continue to give himself entirely to us, himself, his divinity, but also all the graces we need. And so the question came to me is, why am I so like stubborn in giving of myself to God, right? Why can't I give myself entirely to God? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was more uh, that that drew me to say yes to God, right? To say, okay, I want to offer myself to God, although then another thought came that I, I thought I would not be a good priest, right? I couldn't, I was uh, very shy, I was, uh, you know, I didn't have uh, the ability to be personable with people, I wasn't very popular, so I thought, okay, I'm willing to give myself, but I, I really need the priest, the, my spiritual director, to confirm if he thinks I could be a, a good priest or not. So then the next meeting, I remember saying, look, I'm willing to, to offer this to God, I'm willing to be a priest, but I don't know if I should. I don't know if I could. I don't know if I'm a good candidate, right? Mm-hmm. So then he said, well, look, um, I think you could be a good priest. Of course, through your process of formation, if you want to enter the priesthood, then if, it is, if it's made evident that you have a serious difficulty for the priesthood, you will be told, you will, that will be discerned. But in the meantime, you want to offer yourself to God. So that's how I eventually entered uh, the, the f- process of formation to the priesthood, entered Minas Christi, and now I'm here in the U.S. <laughs> giving spiritual direction and preaching retreats. Right, yeah. right. Well, I'm glad that you ended up here with us um, and giving us that same spiritual direction that you once received. So yeah, that's comes I think, full circle. Right, and I think that that's why I'm happy to be in Miles Christi, where we try to offer spiritual direction for college students, mm-hmm. because that's what helped me at a very crucial time in my life. You know, I was I was going my own way, and I thought, okay, uh, everything is great. What how I'm going to work, and what job I'm going to get, and we're going to apply for jobs and so forth. So the the guidance of spiritual direction helped me center in Christ and give God a better chance, right, if he wanted to call me, and also find a, a path to holiness through spiritual direction and through religious through religious life in Milos Christi. Right. And at, at that time, right, uh, Milos Christi was just beginning. Right, right. So actually, uh, there was only a group of young men who wanted to be priests, right? But not Miles Christi formed. It was a lay organization almost. There were some lay people. It was called Miles Christi, but it was a group of lay people, and some of those wanted to be uh, consecrated to God. And it wasn't clear at the very beginning if we were going to that that we were going to be a religious order. At the very beginning, we were thinking as young men who wanted to be uh, priests, but uh, we were all lay people, we we're college students, and we thought, okay, maybe we can enter formation and the seminary and have a common spirituality, you know, stand together uh, to seek holiness, to, to have a, an Ignatian spirituality, to offer spiritual direction, but not necessarily a religious order. 
that came with time when the Archbishop of La Plata, Archbishop Galan, uh, wanted to uh, approve this and give it a more structural form as a religious community with religious vows and obtain the approval from the Holy See. Right. And it, I mean, I imagine at times it was like, this thing's just starting, you know, we're not approved. How's it going to go? Did, like, did you ever think this is crazy? You know, what am I getting into? Yeah. Um, yes and no. I, I wasn't thinking like, this is completely crazy. For some reason, I still don't understand exactly why, but God gave me like a perception that this is going to work out. Mm. Wow. And uh, I thought it was a great idea. I also uh, knew I didn't want at that point in that place to be a diocesan priest. Um, I, I liked the, the spirituality that I had received, and I understood that all that would be a part of what Miles Christi is, right? To encourage people to holiness, to live a life of uh, a spiritual life, to do a daily meditation, to read Ignatian spirituality, and to practice, a, to make this, do the spiritual exercises. Um, and that's what I received, and that's what I wanted to give. And I thought this was a great idea, you know? Well, mm -hmm. it sounds like you were receiving some serious graces at the time. Um, I'm wondering, yeah. uh, despite, in, in, aside from the, the graces that you were receiving, I'm sure it probably wasn't a walk in the park. Um, no, it wasn't. So uh, <laughs> I'm interested in, and I'm sure for, for many people who are considering the vocation, um, there are difficulties. Um, yeah. So at least for you, what were your, I guess the things that were hard to leave behind or the things that you had to sacrifice in order to follow God's call for you? Well, um, not things that I had to leave behind, but I think the hardest thing that happened was that my parents were against my vocation. Right, because um, your dad was, as you said, not Catholic. Too, right, so. right. So he was Anglican. Um, at the end of his life, he was practicing the Catholic faith. Um, so uh, he... He turned around greatly, right? Um, but at, at one point, he was completely adamant that he would not let me come back to the house if I kept the idea of being a priest. Wow. Right? Uh, and my mom was thinking, oh, you, you betray us. We spent so much money in your education, giving you education that is good for the world and to be a good engineer or whatever, the, you know, whatever that was. Um, and now you're throwing it all away. You're squandering all, well... That probably was hard to hear. Right. And also, uh, I don't know, it was like, uh, it, it makes you think everything again and mm. say, well, maybe I shouldn't do this. I don't know. I, I, like, you don't want to hurt your parents, but right. at the same time, it seemed to be that God wanted me to do this, right? Um, and I didn't see anything wrong with it to, to this, merit such a reaction. I, I didn't think it, it was such a terrible thing to, you know, if I had... Uh, gotten into drugs and uh, no I'm a drug dealer now no why are you doing this to us okay makes sense right uh, you're you're ruining your entire life and you're ruining the people around you but I didn't think you know being a, being a priest would be something that is so terrible you know right you would hope for the contrary actually right, right exactly so that's why that gave me an assurance that what I was trying to do was really not hurting them 
uh, although they felt that way. And also because I knew about the lives of the saints, and in the lives of the saints, the same thing happens in, in several, St. Mm. Ignatius of Loyola. St. Francis of Assisi. Um, right, their parents, uh, their family members were against them, and they tried to dissuade them, or St. Benedict, you know, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas. They, they, Catherine yeah. of Siena. Right, so in the case of St. Thomas Aquinas, they imprisoned him, right? They put him in a cell with a, uh, sent a prostitute to dissuade him from entering the religious, uh, the Dominicans. Right, so uh, they preferred him. Even they said, "You can be a, a priest, but go with the Benedictines, but not with those Dominicans that are poor and they go begging around." You know, so so knowing those things, it didn't complete me. It didn't completely scandalize me. I wasn't like uh, destroyed by that challenge. You know, mm-hmm. I, I knew it was a possibility. I just didn't know sometimes it was would be so strong. You know, mm-hmm. right. But well, by the grace of God, in time, once they saw me a priest and once they saw that I was not crazy, because they might have thought I was crazy, um, my mom was super happy. My dad eventually became super happy that I was doing great. And uh, at, at the end of her life, my mom told me that it was the greatest gift that God has given her to have a son that is a priest. Wow. Yeah. And uh, he, she great. also said, when you told us, because I was a freshman in high school, in college, right? Uh, when I said you're my parents, 19, 18, 19. Right, when 19. So wh- when she said, when you told us that you wanted to be a priest, I thought this is a miracle. <laughs> in what in what sense? <laughs> like thanks, because mom. I, right, because I was not living that well before. I was um, not that virtuous, if you want. I was like selfish. I was cranky. I was like crier, a crybaby, or whatever. I don't know what I. I don't. I don't know why why she said that but she said i thought this is a miracle <laughs> the miracle vocation <laughs> right 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 you really changed a lot you know so yeah anyway so that's that's more or less the story so what i would um highlight if you want of these things for those who are listening uh, so as to at least make some use of all this conversation that it is most important for anyone who wants to discern anything uh, as important as one's vocation to try to have a spiritual director, a priest that you can meet regularly and ask uh, these important questions and ask his input. Like, what does he think about, you know, your discernment and your your possible vocation and stuff? And another one that is very important is to try to live a life, to, to seek a life of holiness, particularly through daily meditation before, if possible, before Jesus and the Blessed Sacrament. Because that connection with Christ that personal time with Christ is what makes it possible for anyone to make a sacrifice of this of this level, right? You're giving up everything that we're naturally inclined to have for a reason, and that only the only one who will give you the reason is Christ. The only valid reason is Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So, so the same t- for you guys. You know, like you want to make sure you have a good, solid relationship with our Lord, because that's the only thing that will help you persevere. Right. Yeah, that's great advice. And I think with both of our stories too, you know, that was the the spiritual direction and the meditation were essential to say the least in, in any sort of discernment. So yeah, thanks Father so much for, for sharing. Yeah, and thank you for, for giving us the time to, to, to ask some questions and, mm-hmm. and giving us some, some advice. Um, and I think that's about enough time for our, our podcast today. And we're thankful for our listeners as well. And before we end, we have some some words from... Father Patrick. The real, well, the real host. <laughs> well, thank you, everyone. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Owen, for 
for your time with us. It was great. By the way, great to have you these years here in, in Michigan. Uh, I, we had a blast. <laughs> and thank you everyone who's listening for joining us today. Uh, make sure you pray for Owen and for Andrew. Pray for me also, for the priest of Midas Christi and for uh, an increase of vocations to the priesthood. And also make sure you um, follow us in your preferred platform. Follow this podcast. And if possible, leave a review in Apple Podcasts and Spotify. God bless you, and we will see you next time.